The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to Customer Engagement Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're gonna take a deep dive into the ways you can appropriately engage with your most valuable assets, your customer relationships. Each day this week, we're gonna publish an episode that discusses the tactics you can implement to build stronger and longer lasting relationships with your customers. With us today is Tink Taylor, who's the founder and president at Dot Digital, which is the global leader in customer engagement technology. Dot Digital's platform seamlessly integrates your e-commerce, CRM, and business intelligence data to give you a powerful marketing tool that sends the right message at the right time across your email, SMS, social, mobile, web, and retargeting channels. Here is the first installment of Customer Engagement Week, where Tink and I discuss personalization and how to use data insights to create experiences. Okay, here's my conversation with Tink Taylor. Tink, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's exciting to have you here. I uh, appreciate you coming on the show and also appreciate your support of the MarTech podcast. Always great to connect with a sponsor of the show. Let's start off by talking a little bit about you. Tell me about your background and a little bit about what Dot Digital does. Yeah, so, well, myself personally, I'm the president and founder of Dot Digital. This is actually our 20th year in business, so we've been around a while. Um, we've been through a few changes over the years. We actually started as a web design and development agency. We were quite technical by nature and built several products that we could use to help building the sites that we were doing for our clients. So we built a content management system called .editor. Uh, we had an e-commerce flavor called .commerce. And we had a marketing platform called .mailer. And as time went on, we really needed to focus just on one product because we were kind of stretched and we were competing against some pretty big US competition at the time, and they had very deep marketing pockets. So spreading ourselves across three products was a lot. So we picked what we thought was the winner. That was .mail. It came with a lot of recurring revenues, and it enabled us to really map for the growth and the development of the business. Obviously, these days, we're called .digital. So in more recent times, I suppose over the last 20 years, we've been adding features and functionality to the platform. It's got deeper and broader. It started as just a sort of a batch and blast email tool, very sort of MailChimp-esque. But as we've added the capabilities to absorb any data, we've now layered over that lots of segmentation, personalization, automation, and nowadays sort of machine learning because we've got so much 
data to look at and use as trigger points for automation. So we got deeper and broader in that channel. And over the last couple of years here, we've made an acquisition and we've been busy building that into our core platform. So we've moved outside of purely email. So we are truly omni-channel now. So we can do things like WhatsApp messaging, SMS, push, uh, Facebook Messenger, ad retargeting into Google and so on. So having the word mail in our name was kind of limiting in terms of a descriptor of what we were. So we made the jump and changed our name to Dot Digital, which, funny enough, was always the parent name of the company. That is also our stock ticket. We were listed on the London Stock Exchange. We've been there for about 10 years now. So it wasn't too unfamiliar to us. So it wasn't a big change internally. For the outside world, it really uh, it's worked quite effectively for us because everyone's gone, why have you done that? And then we've explained the story of all the additional things we do now. And it's a really good story. And people have really liked it and welcomed it. So it's gone down well. So you've been in the digital commerce content and communication game for multiple decades across the rise of the digital 1.0, 2.0, and now whatever we're calling it 3.0, but really between static websites and then user-generated content. And now there's this proliferation of device types and different types of communication as you think about the ways that brands are communicating with their customers, what are the things that have changed the most since you started working on the dot mailer and now dot digital product? You made me think of a story actually as you were asking that question. So prior to dot digital, I worked for a company called Sequent that was later acquired by IBM mainly because the technology they built. And essentially the technology they built actually enabled what cloud computing is today. And I remember my boss back then, he, he gave out two projects. It was quite an epic Friday. One was he gave me this thing called the internet and said, would this be any good for communication? So we built lots of intranets and email tools and what have you. And the other one was, could you go up and invent cloud computing? So it was a, a, quite a day for that guy. But from those days, the messaging and communication, it was very much push to the recipient. Whereas I think the major change we've seen nowadays, it's the recipient or the consumer, however you want to say it, or your client, if you're in a B2B space, Really, they're now in charge of what messaging they want, how often they want it, when and where they want it, so what channel. So they're very much in charge. So I think the smart modern marketer is really in tune with listening to what those recipients' desires are to make sure that they're delivering the right content to the right person at the right time and in the right channel, all those sort of old cliches, but it still rings true. I think that's the major shift I've seen. I think those old cliches are also a great dating metaphor. It's always what I've said in terms of finding the right mate. It has to be right person, right place, right time. And I think bringing it back to digital marketing, there is a lot more competition than there used to be for people's attention. Now with the rise of various communication channels, social media with mobile phones, People are inundated with more advertising. There's more brands that are available, more direct-to-consumer brands if you're on the consumer side. And even the B2B brands are more aggressively marketing and trying to stay in touch with their consumers at a higher cadence. So how do you think about what is driving consumers' behavior in terms of what channels they like and the right flavor of personalization and the types of communication that they're interested in? I think the, the number one thing you're sort of suggesting there, and I think you're right, yeah, there is a lot more volume out there. And in essence, what the marketer now needs to do is really make sure that their messages stand out from the crowd. So 
there is an art of getting, if we talk about purely email, there's an art of getting your emails into the inbox, you know, just from a technical standpoint. There's so much spam out there that the various providers have put technologies in place to try and catch that, but they're not infallible and they are just machines. So you can get your emails accidentally blocked. Uh, we used to have this very lovely picture of a fishing trawler catching tuna, but obviously in the tuna net every now and again, they caught a dolphin by mistake. And that was supposed to be an analogy for deliverability. Don't dress your dolphin up as a tuna, otherwise you get trapped. But it's also don't send your emails and do it in such a way that you could look spammy to some of these filters. So that's a challenge. And then when you're in the inbox itself, you need to stand out from the crowd until you can look at things like your subject line and sort of the first sort of element of your email and the header that you may get seen. You have to consider the creative and the content as well in terms of copy. I've seen people have got quite lazy and lost the art of maybe the skill of copywriting. So I think all of these things in combination make you stand out from the crowd, especially if you're then listening to what the user's doing, if they've given you some preferences about what content they want and how often, or if you're seeing what they're engaging with by clicking and opening and then you're tailoring future conversations about those areas of interest. Because you do find that most people will have maybe 10 to 20 brands that they're always looking out for their emails and they land in their inbox. And that hasn't happened by mistake. That's because those brands have worked hard to deliver on all the promises of delivering a right time about messages, et cetera. It seems like there's another component in this outside of just you know getting your creative, your copy, your deliverability, building your brand so it resonates with someone, that there's also the idea of personalization and understanding who you're talking to and what signals they're presenting to understand what is the right message at the right time. That's core to what Dot Digital does is, you know, accepts all of these signals in terms of your e-commerce and your CRM and all these other platforms data to be able to create campaigns. So talk to me about a special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know. Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Mm 
how you use data to create insights about your customers and how that then in turn can create a more personalized experience with your messaging. Yeah, I mean, the data bit's kind of unlimited in our world. And we encourage our users, obviously under the right privacy laws and permission and what have you, to collect as much data as they can. But, you know, if we look at just purely commerce, you know, uh, we have an integration into many different e-commerce platforms. And typically we would pull over things like previous orders, average order values, and all of that sort of e-commerce data, along with what they've been browsing at online, maybe their abandoned uh, browser or their abandoned cart and that sort of thing. And then also comparing that against their peers. So lots of machine learning and AI comes along these days where we can say the people who have bought this have also bought that, or we recommend the likelihood in terms of the affinity you have, the refill you have, that these products might also offer relevance. So it's always about using the data we absorb to deliver relevance because relevance is what gets you results. And whether that is, say, your e-commerce data or if you're in a B2B world, it could be looking at browsing behavior and all of that sort of good stuff. And then any other date signals, you know, simple stuff like that, ask people questions all the time. You can always trigger something off a date. What's your birthday? What's you know, When did you last buy a product? Perhaps you know, it's time for replenishment and what have you. So I think it's absorbing as much as you can, uh, making sure you're doing that in the right sort of legal ways, and then analyzing that data and always analyzing it to really understand where you can leverage it to deliver relevance. Now, sort of plugging our platform, which I don't really like to do in this sort of circumstance, but we find that people come to us with lots of different use cases. And they ask loads of questions at sort of RFP level, and then they sort of log into the platform and they've got it, and then they go, oh, I don't know what to do with this. So what we've actually built is a number of ready automations. So all the ones that we know make a big difference in whatever sector you may be, whether that's travel or commerce or B2B or whatever. So here's some standard ones, welcome emails, abandoned cart, and all that kind of stuff. So I'd encourage people to always do those. They're the base level. Then we would typically put someone like an account manager or account director in touch with one of our prospects to really understand that particular business sort of hunt for other opportunities where there might be various segments of the data that we could use or various other triggers we could use for automation and such like. But I think I do see a difference to this in terms of where I am in the world. Obviously, I'm here in North America at the moment, but I spend a lot of time in Australia or actually in APAC these days as well as Europe. And I think one of the advantages I see here in North America is a lot of people, they're quite time poor. And in the marketing world, certainly if I look at someone in the UK or Australia, they don't specialize in one area. They're doing email marketing, SMS marketing, but they're also organizing events, doing copy, maybe doing the website and what have you. And I think the advantage in North America and certainly a number of firms, you'll have like a dedicated team for messaging or email or something like that. So they can spend the right amount of quality time understanding and testing all of these different segments, the data they have and understanding and learning it because there is gold to be mined if you look deep enough, but you do need to spend the right amount of time. So a couple of things that you said that stick out to me is that, you know, there are some table stakes types of communication, the onboarding emails, the abandoned cart emails, and those are things that are just mandatory, right? You don't have to understand what your brand is or understand who the customers are to derive value out of those types of communication. It's remarkable you mentioned that. Off air, we were talking about some of our research that we do hitting the mark. 
which is where we study a load of brands and reverse engineering what their marketing is and score them. And they're all e-commerce brands, but they are sort of spread geographically globally. But the average rate of people not using abandoned cart typically every year is somewhere in the region of 80%, which is staggering because everyone knows you should do it. Everyone knows it makes you money. But for some reason, some people aren't deploying that. And you know, there's probably various reasons as the technology and the platforms they're using. Bandwidth. Yeah, bandwidth, another one. But it is remarkable the amount of opportunities that are missed and money that's left on the table by not deploying some of these simple automations. And remember, once you set up, they're making you money. So you buy back your time. If you go back, I always encourage people to go back and test and you know, improve the results, but at least set it up in the first place. So if you're in that 18% of the people who are running some sort of e-commerce product and you don't have an abandoned cart, look, it's tried and true. They are table stakes. Some of the other types of data that leads into personalization that you mentioned are looking at a user activity, right? Seeing if they're looking at a specific type of product and then presenting similar information, right? Like trying to understand what the user behavior is based on their activity on your site. You also mentioned looking at dates and milestones. And then the last one is creating similar customer profiles. And I think that the thing that sticks out to me with the last category is the amount of data that you need to be able to create a similar customer profiles. If you're running an e-commerce site, but you're not an Amazon, an eBay, a Walmart of the world, right? If you have dramatically less data than some of the enterprise commerce companies, or if you're even not in e-commerce and trying to create similar customer profiles, how do you go about tackling that problem with limited amount of data? That's a question I get asked quite a lot. You know, essentially what you're saying there is, I don't think I have enough data to be able to make a difference here. That's a challenge in itself. You, know, you need to go out and find more customers. So that's a marketing challenge on your acquisition. Perhaps you have a number of customers, so you need to look at what is your data collection policies. It drives me bananas and a marketing person. We're like, yeah, maybe I check in at a flight or I buy something in a shop and they don't ask me if I want to draw a receipt, an email or opt in. It's such a simple, quick, easy way to do that. So there are a number of techniques and we have a ton of white papers and probably one of the most popular in our catalogue of white papers is, you know, how do I build my list and contacts? And then obviously making sure you're doing that under the right compliance and looking at all of the touch points you have with a customer to make sure you're asking for permissions to market to them. I think on the broader side of things, even when you've got a small data set, there's a mindset thing there of saying, well, I don't have enough data to really bother trying. So I'm just going to treat everyone as the same. So you end up acting like a spammer. You're batching and blasting. It's not very targeted. It's highly unpersonable. And when I go back to everyone having maybe 10 brands in their inbox they look out for, do you think not treating anyone very specially that you're going to be one of those 10? Of course you're not. So even if you have a limited number of data, um, I'd always encourage people to think of segments. You know, we have things like RFM modeling in the platform. So we always recommend looking at things like champions, those that are loyal, recent purchasers, people that have high potential or those that need nurturing, or the inactives. You know, it's so important that you tailor a message individually to those people. Imagine that you just opened up a physical store, and you come in, and you talk in a monotone voice, and say the same script to every single customer, and don't ask them how their day is, what they've been doing, what they're interested in. Would you like fries with that? Yeah, I mean, if you just don't engage with people, you're not going to get a very positive response. So even though you might not have much data, 
I think you should at least strive to treat people and make them feel special. And if you do that, they will respond. Even without getting into the sophisticated customer profiling and modeling, using activity, segmenting your customers and trying to have some sense of what they're trying to accomplish, what their relationship is with your brand is a very important step. And we're going to talk a lot more about how to segment your customers, how to think about what channels to reach them throughout the rest of the week. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Tink Taylor for joining us. If you'd like to learn more of Tink's tips for effectively engaging with your customers, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we're going to discuss omni-channel engagement strategies. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Tink, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is Tink Taylor, T-I-N-K-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or you can visit his company's website, which is .digital.com. Just one link in our show notes that I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests, and you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter, which is a once a week blast, which gives you details about all of our episodes. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us a question by going to benjshap.com slash question, where you can give us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you could always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in our podcast feed, in addition to the rest of our conversation with Tink Taylor from Dot Digital, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.